This is The Real Christian Podcast, where real Christians talk about real things in real time, with the goal to bring some authenticity into the mainstream and see lives changed. Also, to encourage, strengthen, and uplift those in the body of Christ. Hello and welcome. This is Pastor Henyon and this is episode number two. And I have here with me uh, a guest and this is Angela. And uh, Angela, tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of where you're from. All right. Um, first of all, thanks for having me. This is a huge privilege and honor to be able to contribute. I'm Angela Smith. I'm 30 years old and I grew up in Fargo, North Dakota. Um, I've been living in Reno for a little over a year now and started going to the Potter's House rites when I got here and moved in with my sister. Um, and I've been saved almost a year. Right on, right on. That's awesome. And uh, so I want to start this out with just by saying uh, I apologize if I sound extra more nasally than I usually sound because I am super sick right now and it's been, uh, you know, just bear with us. Uh, I do apologize, but we just really wanted to get this done. I want to keep these coming out on a more regular basis. I uh, try, you know, every two weeks or so. I think it's been longer than that since our last episode, but, you know, the housekeeping and stuff aside, just wanted to let put that out there. Um, so this episode, we want to talk about, uh, you know, this is the real Christian podcast and everything we're going to talk about is always focused around this concept of, you know, what is real Christianity? Uh, because the world is so muddied up with, uh, just religion, especially America is just, I mean, there's hundreds of religions out there. There's a new one popping up every day and it's just people are walking around and and the general consensus is that people want to change and people want they know there's something out there because the bible says god put it in our hearts to know that to search out truth and that that god is real so that's in our hearts already and but people are just trying to figure out where to put that trust in right so you know the people are already searching but everything is so muddied up with uh, just fake Christians out there or people who just aren't authentic and aren't real about, you know, their their faith that, you know, it gives it just muddies up the the pond, for lack of better you know words. And what we're going to talk about today is a very controversial topic. And uh, you actually brought this up to me because this is something that you struggled with. And we're going to talk about drinking. And, you know, one drink is okay, right? You know, we, we hear this all the time that, oh, it's okay to have one drink or a little wine for, for thy, thy stomach's sake, right? And we hear these things. And why is this so dangerous uh, to, to think this way? Um, I think one of the dangers is going back to the authenticity and the being a real Christian. Um I would start out with somebody who thinks of moderation a little bit and, you know, it's no big deal if I have one or two. Um, and if we're thinking about being an example, first Thess Thessalonians, uh, five says to abstain from all appearances of evil. Wait, 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 what is that? It's all appearances. Right. Not not just some. So sorry to cut you off, but I want to preface that, that, you know, it says abstain from all appearances of, of evil. And so, you know, this isn't just like something, you know, oh, some or, you know, this is like very specific with all, you know, it's not something that you're going to accidentally just accomplish or do. This is something that is it, it must you must try and do, you know, it says all. So sorry, continue. No, I'm glad that you pointed that out because that's 
our exampleship as Christians is so important. Not only are you encouraging other Christians, but you're an example for the world. Like you said, we're all looking for that truth. And the truth is that you you really can't you really can't drink. You really can't be in that arena. You're putting yourself in certain environments and moderation with it doesn't really exist. Yeah. So like the whole, uh, everything is good in moderation. I've, I've heard that, uh, I kind of believe, you know, back before, you know, I ever, uh, believed in Jesus or I ever got, got saved, I should say, uh, I used to kind of, you know, oh, you know, that was the general, like, little things people would say, oh, everything's okay in moderation. Okay, so it's like, I can beat my wife in moderation, or I can, uh, you know, go pick up prostitutes as long as it's in moderation, or, you know, whatever, fill in the blank of with just some grotesque act, and like, oh, that's okay in moderation. So the, the saying in itself right there already is, I already debunked it, right. right? Like, okay, so let's put this in drinking, though. Like, so everything in moderation like tell me your experience with this well i i did kind of start in moderation i started at a, at a young age where i mean i really shouldn't have been drinking at all i was a teenager we would party and it was in excess but the moderation piece that i pulled back to was you know, every other weekend, maybe I would party every other weekend as I got older, got of age and was able to go out to the bars. Um, maybe once a month I'd go out, but I'd get super hammered. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't really something that was casual at all for me. Um, it was still something that I kind of played with in excess, but I called it moderation because it wasn't every single night. I didn't depend on it. So, um, where, how did it go from, okay, being every other weekend, like, did it progress or like, what did, what did you, where did it end up after, after that? That's a great question because it was something that I considered in moderation. I didn't think I ever had a problem with it. And then turn of events in my life, you know, it's, it's something that I relied on for fun. It was something I relied on for relaxation and turn of events in my life. I be, I began to rely on it more. I really, I really began to seek it out and it was something that I knew something that had become a habit. So it got to the point where it really was something that I found myself needing every night. It was something that I would wake up and realize, you know, when was the last day that I hadn't had a drink? And then it progressed further into, I didn't want to drink, but I found myself, I need to go drink. I need to go get that bottle. Yeah. And, you know, just from experience and from, from seeing person after person, you know, deal with these same type types of things and addictions and any addictions, but, you know, say drinking especially is, you know, people, there's a God-shaped hole that's inside of us that you will not be happy. You know, you're, we're searching for that thing that's going to bring us satisfaction, that thing that's going to bring purpose to our life. And people try to fill that with all kinds of things, all kinds of addictions. And, you know, like what you're talking about is you're, you're trying to fill that with, with drinking, you know, some people, you know, it might be cutting or drugs or, you know, filling their lives with relationships or chasing girls or, you know, chasing guys, whatever. And, but you'll never fill that void that's in your life. And, you know, that's what you're talking about is like, you know, it went from the point where you, it went from, oh, a thing in moderation where, you know, you were justifying it. You were feeling, okay, this is okay because I'm not doing it every night. And to the point where you needed it every night. And so let me ask you this. So where did drinking every night lead you? Well, once I was, once I got to the point that drinking every night was a choice, then turned, I realized I, it wasn't a choice anymore. I realized I would go home and say, you know, I need to be sober tonight. There's no reason I should drink. 
having that nagging feeling that slavery to it would bring me to the store, get me another bottle, get home, obviously drunk again, and then into the next day, just cycles of regret, cycles of, I don't want to do this anymore. How do I get free? I don't want to do this anymore. What happened to my life? How did I get to this point? Um, and it really just brought me to a turning point in my life amongst other things, but it really brought me to, I need, I need help. And my, my sister was amazing. I, um, I reached out to her. We'd been, we'd been talking that year and I, I knew from the way she talked and I knew from, um, just her progression and everything. She was in a solid place. And I asked her, I asked her if I could move down there. Um, she didn't really know the gravity of the situation, but I kind of shared a little bit of it and I needed, I needed help. So I moved and I ended up in Reno and I'm really glad I did. Okay. So real quick though, let's go backwards a little bit and talk about, so what was your upbringing like? I mean, did you have people around you that were alcoholics? No, honestly, personally, I, I didn't know my father's grandparent, uh, my father's parents. So I didn't know that side of my uh, grandparents. And then all of my uh, mom's family, they didn't drink at all. But my dad's dad was an alcoholic. So the stories that I would hear and the relationship I had with my father is actually a direct result from his drinking because my grandpa was an alcoholic and he would beat my dad. He would, I mean, everything you can imagine with that. I don't know too many stories, but it kind of set up and it made sense how even though my dad didn't drink at all, he still treated us um, I don't know, like I would get threatened. I would get threats for getting beaten and I never had a really good relationship with him at all. He scared me <laughs> most of my life. And then when I got to the age where I did kind of, you know, you realize as a kid growing up, like preteen, you start to realize whether things are right and wrong. And I started to realize my dad was not treating us the way he should. Then I started to hate him. Then I turned to rebellion. Okay. And like, so where did that type of mindset and lead you to then? Like after this and after you kind of, you like, it's like the coming of age where, you know, you start to think for yourself a bit and you start to become more aware of your surroundings and like your upbringing. Like, where did that lead you being in that type of mindset? That led me directly into the party scene. It's phenomenal in a way because... I was a good kid. I was pretty much straight A's in school. I did what my parents told me to do. And then really just getting to that point where it was like, what am I, what am I being good for? If this is how I'm treated, if this is how he treats our family, what am I being good for? And what am I suffering for? I might as well go out and party. And that led me directly into switching friend groups. And 14, I think, is when I started drinking. Yeah. So, and you know, everything you have described to me and explained is, you know, your atmosphere in which you were raised and it determines how you turned out, you know, and there's a lot of factors that go into it. So I'm not saying that like an, an A type of upbringing plus a B type of, you know, person equals a C type of outcome every time. But I mean, it's, you can't argue with, uh, just the statistics of, you know, people that grow up in um, certain types of, you know, situations where parents or grandparents are alcoholics, like what, what that does to the kids upbringing. You know, I grew up uh, in my mom was an alcoholic and her dad was an alcoholic. And I, I'm sure all the way up the list, there was somebody in the family that was an alcoholic and my brother turned out to be an alcoholic and, you know, he's not anymore. And, you know, he's been sober for like 10 years, but, uh, you know, I could see it and I could trace down the line of, you know, how your environment 
is a direct, uh, you know, reflection on what you're going to end up turning out to be, or at least in some way it has impact on the way you turn out. And so numbers 14, 18 though, has like, it says something very great. It says the Lord is long suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and the transgression and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and unto the third and fourth generation. So we're talking about, you know, kind of whether their family curses or, you know, just the, that addiction and those things that are passed down from generation to generation. Like the Bible says that the Lord is long suffering and great of mercy, forgiving all those things, even to the third and the fourth generation. You know, my dad he was a thief and I became a huge thief. And it was almost, it was just like in, it was in me. Like I just wanted, I don't know. I wanted to do it, even though I didn't need half the stuff I was stealing. It was just like, and you can't tell me that like that was by coincidence. Like I knew it wasn't, I knew that it was a direct link to that. I, it was almost passed down and I had to make that choice that, you know, I'm going to break these things that have been passed down to me. And, you know, so you moved to Reno, your sister starts speaking into your life. We're going to move on and talk about just what was it like? What, I mean, your sister, did she set up some ground rules or like, what was the, that conversation like with you? You know, you obviously you told her that you're having, you know, issues and, you know, you, whatever, you know, that conversation was like, but what kind of transpired after that? Um, so awesome thing funny thing is when I moved down here in my head I was like great I'm gonna have an accountability partner I can get back to the moderation I can have a glass of wine once or twice a week you know I can just kind of chill when I got here and talked to my sister she's like look I'm happy you're here I'm grateful that you're here and I'm excited for you to live with me but I need to set up some rules and I really don't want alcohol in my house you know Christians don't drink and that's something that I have set up as a standard for myself and I I respected that and I was happy for her to tell me that but in the same way right away in January it was hard for me um I didn't I didn't want to respect that on the level I should have so I thought okay I'll leave that um out of her apartment I'll respect her with that but on days off you know when I would go shopping or something I'd end up at a restaurant and um I'd have some food and I would have some wine I would drink with it and I thought with that moderation piece I could control that and ultimately looking back I don't really know what I was thinking because I don't know where that would have progressed, how far that would have gone, but um, it really came to a head on the day of the Super Bowl. Uh, my sister was fine with me going and um, going back home that day because she was headed to night service. Um, she knew I'd be home and watching the Super Bowl. She was fine with that. So when I when I left church, I really had the intention of going home and hanging out, watching a good game, and just got this little idea in my head, let's let's go to Whole Foods. Let's put let's pick up a couple cans of wine, you know. She won't be home for, you know, with her practice involved, it was going to be 5, 6 hours probably. She wasn't going to be home. Could easily, you know, drink a couple glasses of wine, no big deal, clean up get everything in the recycling before she got home. So I had this idea, like, great, be a good game. And I get home and that's not at all what happened. I drank and I drank and I drank and passed out after the game and she comes home, um, finds me passed out and I wake up and I just, that's really when I came to the end of myself, when I really, the words meant something to me where I really couldn't, I really couldn't mess with that if I wanted the change that I was looking for. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, that's interesting that, you know, you say that is like, 
you know, it's like you came to yourself and, you know, it's like the parable of the prodigal son. Like, you know, the dad gives him his inheritance. You know, it's a story from the Bible where the kid goes off and he squanders his entire inheritance partying and this and that. And it says that when he came to himself, like that's when he he knew he needed to change and he went home and, you know, he was sleeping in the pig pen, you know, eating the food that the pigs were eating. And it's when he came to himself. And I think we all need to this, this moment in our lives where it's like, I know you weren't, you know, you didn't want to be drinking anymore. Obviously there's a reason, you know, that everything where you came to Reno and it wasn't because your life was so happy and jolly in North Dakota you know, so the Bible says in first Peter four, three, that for you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, uh, carousing and detestable idolatry. You know, so right here, this is, you know, just kind of talking about that, you know, you spent enough time doing those things, you know, and it's it doesn't take a, a genius to just look at the statistics behind drinking and just all the deaths that are involved, all the brokenness and divorce, you know, dads beating their kids and then that kid growing up to have, you know, daddy issues and just everything. I mean, just you can't even measure the ripple effects that are behind drinking, mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, the cure for all of this really is you know, Jesus and Jesus can break, you know, these curses and they are curses, you know? Uh, so I have this thing I want to talk about real quick. And I went to this, uh, it was somebody through my wife's family. They, uh, she, my wife grew up Catholic, right. And, uh, cause her grandmother is Catholic and so we were invited to go to this nun's birthday party at the pepper mill and they ran out this entire ballroom. There was probably around somewhere around 300 people, 350 people there. And it was packed. It they had an open bar and they did this whole thing where, you know, the priest cross-dressed as a woman, I mean, makeup, wig, everything. And then one of the nuns cross-dressed as a man, I mean, a wig, just look, man clothes, all of it, the whole thing. And, you know, the priest was in a dress and they did this song and I can't remember what song it was, but, you know, they sing the song and they were, you know, I don't know, putting on this show and they do this every year. And I just remember sitting there and I'm saved. I got Jesus, you know, I'm like, we weren't drinking or nothing. And I'm just like looking around at all this that was going on. I thought it was just, we got invited to a dinner. Like, that's what it was like. Hey, you want to come to this dinner? It's for sister Carmen, whatever. And it's like, yeah, okay. Like we'll come. And I just remember looking around going like, I remember having this feeling like God is nowhere in this room. Now, if God was nowhere in that room and I could tell that, you know, your spirit will, when you're saved in your right mind, got Jesus in your heart and you're like the Holy Spirit will warn you of things or you'll, you'll get this feeling you'll, you'll know whether or not something is righteous or not. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, almost like you don't. You know, it was just looking around. I knew that God was nowhere around there. So now let me ask you this is if, if drinking is, is no problem and you know, it's okay to drink and get drunk, then it's like, where was God in all that was going on that day? You know what I mean? It's like, it was very obvious that, I mean, what was going on was wicked. There was just something not right about it. So let me ask you this. What is real Christianity? I think in considering real Christianity and the weight of what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us is real Christianity is denying the flesh. I mean, he, I mean, just the miracle of it. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, who was all man and yet all God, and he lived a despised life. He went to the cross crucified, and it was to take what away? Our sins, our sins of our flesh, and really we're charged with that commission from Jesus Christ to 
to share that with people and to share the freedom of it and the ability to deny the flesh and walk in the spirit. Um, yeah. And, you know, I'm glad you're, you went there with it because that's so true. You know, it is denying the flesh and like, uh, you know, that whole nun birthday party we went to was like, okay, if they're acting pretty much no different than the world acts or they're acting, you know, no different than that, that person that's at the bar, then what do I need to change for? Mm-hmm. What's the, what's the point? Like why, you know, we're called to be set apart from the world to, you know, you should be able to tell the Bible says you'll know them by their fruits, you know? And, and so seeing this and just like what you're talking about that Jesus came and he died for us that we could have life more abundantly you know, and so it's like, what picture do we paint to people when we're acting just like they are? And then what, why, why come to church then? Right. Why, why even, why even change if we're all just doing what they do, except we put on a suit and tie and, uh, you know, we dress up nice and go to church on Sunday morning. You know, I don't know if you have anything, you know, you want to add about any of this or, or not, or if you want to just kind of move on, but Um, I completely agree because if we're to be set apart, if we have this message of, of salvation and of freedom, if I came down here and Sheila loosened her standards, or if Sheila didn't even have the revelation, my sister, if she didn't have that revelation, was able to share it with me, I'd still be an alcoholic today. I'd still be, you know, I'd, I'd probably have a little bit of the praising Jesus and praising God because God's mercy is so abounding that I mean every day in and of itself is a miracle and when you look for things to be grateful for they're everywhere because of God's mercy but I wouldn't have that freedom I wouldn't have that joy I'd still be cycling all the way through that and Proverbs 21 says that wine is a mocker strong drink is raging and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise so we're really at this point where we need to start living in wisdom and we, we need to start living wisely with our lives. Yeah. And that's so true. And real quick. So what, what about the Christian out there that says, Oh, you know, Jesus drank wine, you know, his first miracle was at his, was at a wedding when his, you know, Jesus's mom says, okay, turn all these, you know, barrels of water, you know, into wine. And he did, you know, so didn't, they all got drunk. Right. And no, so we didn't, we didn't plan this. We didn't talk about this pre-show, but no, and that, that's not true that there's just like the English, the English, uh, there's only one word for wine, right? right? And, and it, same thing with back in, you know, the Bible words. So I know you have some, some stuff written down. So just talk about the difference between the, the, what are they? The Greek words or the uh, Hebrew, Hebrew. Or the Hebrew yeah. words. So just talk a little bit about the, that there is a difference in, in those words that are used in these scriptures. Right. So I am terrible with pronunciation because I don't know the Hebrew. Um, but one of them is tyrosh, and that is the grape juice, um, the new wine. So in the original translation, obviously it wasn't written in English, um, there was a distinction between tyrosh, which is the grape juice, and yayin, which would be the old wine or the fermented wine. And unfortunately, with the translations coming through into English, they just kept the one word wine. So I think that's a huge, I think it's a huge stumbling block. Um, in 2020 now, um, we we find it hard to sit down and read our Bible. We find it hard to sit down and study it, um, which is coming back to wisdom too, is seek out people who have wisdom. I learned about this distinction in a Bible study from somebody um, in our church, a pastor who did a Bible study and researched all this out and looked at the words. Yeah. And every time that it does like every scripture that says, you know, abstain from, uh, from strong drink, it's talking about yayin, you know, fermented. It's talking about, you know, those drinks that are, you know, the old wine and all this. And every time, you know, every scripture where it talked about, you know, Jesus, you know, at the Passover says, drink of this, this is my, uh, you know, this is my blood, you know, and he had the wine. It was, it was new wine. And every single scripture that has to do with, with drinking, you know, grape juice is, you know, 
it's it's talking about the word is in there and it's very very clear if you do your study that no jesus did not get drunk i mean when jesus was on his way to the cross uh they tried to give him in that in that scripture it said goal mingled with uh whatever you know what i mean and that was that was strong drink that was and he and when they tried to give it to him he spit it out now this is a man who have been beaten beyond recognition who's on his way to the cross to die for our sins and if he had drinking wine previously well how come he didn't drink it the second time or you know the other time when they tried to give it to him why spit it out when you're in your need more than ever of uh, thirsty and just you know going through it why why would you drink it one time and not another time so i mean that scripture alone right there right. always did it for me it's like why spit it out if it's there's nothing wrong with it mm-hmm. you know so uh moving along uh where are we you know like just talking about uh it being you know wise and, you know, it says wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. So, I mean, we could sit there and ask, you know, anybody, we could say, hey, who who wants more wisdom? Everybody would say, yes, I do. You know, everybody wants to be wise. Everybody wants, you know, nobody wants to be stupid or dumb out there. But how come people have no problem in getting drunk and throwing all their inhibition away? You know, why is this that, you know, that... Oh, it's okay to just like turn the switch off and just let it go because because it feels good, you know. And I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you this right now that I don't know anybody who's ever woken up from being blackout drunk who you know doesn't have that feeling of guilt. I know for me, I, when I would wake up being blackout drunk, I'd it's like man, who do I need to apologize to? You know, because I just knew there was gonna be somebody that you know I was acting a fool or whatever. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I had those nights too, where it just, it got to the point where you wake up and you're like, wow, I don't remember the last five hours of the night. What, what did I do? And you start searching for answers. I mean, it really is that, um, point in which you, you're doing the exact opposite of what you think you want to do. You start to begin to realize that you have this conflict of interest in your mind and in your actions. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it is wisdom to deny the flesh. And, you know, we talked about this, that, you know, your flesh, we're all born sinners. We're all born with the flesh. You can, the Bible says you can never kill the flesh. So you're never going to get over those urges to do what your flesh wants to do. Like your flesh wants to sleep in it doesn't want to wake up and pray. It doesn't want to read the Bible. But guess what? It does want to drink. It does want to go out and party, just have a good time, dance it up at the clubs, right? You know, all that stuff that comes with it. And, you know, it, that is fun for a season. But then the reaping starts and you start dealing with like the consequences of your actions. And, you know, and it might be subtle, but it does happen. And to conclude, I want to ask you, one important question and it's why is it important to be sober like really why like why i'm somebody for instance let's just say i'm a random person out there and i'm going to ask like why why is it important to be sober like what's the big deal i think it's personally important to be sober as a christian because there's not much time left Um, when we think about what Jesus Christ has given us, he's given me freedom, but then he's also given me the commission to spread that freedom, to spread that good news. And if I'm not on my game, if I'm not praying, if I'm not reading the Bible, if I'm not growing in Christ and paying attention to him and what he wants me to do in the spirit, I'm missing out on the opportunity to share that. I'm missing out on the influence that I have in this world, in that spiritual realm, because all of this, all this flesh, all of it is temporal. That's right. And, you know, it says in first Peter four, seven, the end of all things is near. Therefore be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Right. So, you know, the end is near and you can just take one look at the world today and know that, you know, things are, are crazy all over, just all the wars and just everything that's going, you look at Israel and, you know, you just see that, you know, time is winding down and Jesus is coming back. You know, there's, 
so many prophecies on Jesus's first coming that, and it came true. Like you can prove that Jesus was a real person who came on this earth and who died at, on a cross and who rose again and all the eyewitnesses that saw him uh, after his resurrection. And you can prove that by not even touching the Bible, by not touching anything that was written by a Christian. Like there's atheists and secular scholars that were around back in, in Jesus times who says, no, Jesus was a real person who did everything that he said he did and that was prophesied about him coming. You know, and these are people who weren't even believers, but who who saw evidence and there was had enough sense to say, no, this this guy was for real. Well, let me tell you what a guy who says who the Bible prophesied said this person is going to come and he comes and they say he's going to die and he dies and they say he's going to come back to life and he comes back to life. Well, guess what? Everything else he said is also true as well. And if he said he's coming again and he's coming for people who are saved. He's coming in. This is what the scripture is talking about. The end of things are near. It says, so, you know, be of sober mind, right? You know, and then we can look at, you know, Ephesians 5, 15 through 18 says, you know, pay careful attention then to how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of time because the days are evil. Sounds like, you know, what we're living in today. Verses 17 says, so don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be fulfilled by the Spirit. Now, I wasted many of years of my life getting drunk and partying and reckless living and not giving God any thought. And I was raised in church. I, I, I ran from God and I backslid and I knew what I was doing was wrong, but I was reckless and I didn't live like this. I didn't pay close attention to my life. I mean, why do you think that the Bible says to pay close attention then to how you live? I think it's important because time is fleeting and we know that our flesh wants to do those types of things. We know that we are in a spiritual battle where if we don't pay close attention, we lean back on the flesh. It takes intention to get up every morning, crucify your flesh, and decide to walk that day with God. It takes intention. So if we're not careful, if we're not specific, if we're not paying attention to our standards, it's easy to slip and it's easy to turn back around and start walking the other way. Yeah, and that's so true. And like you said, we need to crucify our flesh, which means like when we wake up, you have a choice every morning to either do your own will or say no to your flesh. You know, uh, a very good friend of mine, Pastor Zapata, you know, he has a, a rap, him and his wife rap and stuff. And, you know, they have a song, Tell the Flesh No. Tell the Flesh No. To, to tell the Flesh No, right? And it, and it's just, it's it's a good thing that gets stuck in your head because it's something that we have to remind ourselves. Mm -hmm. You tell that flesh no. Right. You say, you know what? You know, and it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure this out. Like, okay, look at all the hurt in your life. Look at everything that's going on. You know, you're out there, you're sitting there, you're listening to this podcast and you say, you know what? I am not happy with my life. I'm not happy with the way things are turning out. The things that I've done, I have, you're, you're full of guilt. You're full of condemnation over your actions and things that maybe you've done that you can't change in the past. Well, why don't you try to tell the flesh no? And, and you know, I've because I've lived on both sides of the fence and I'm here to tell you that you know, the Christian life being real and authentic, it, it's amazing. I'm happier. I just, I mean, the list goes on and I think we talked about this in our last episode, so I won't be a complete repeat of that, but you know, it's sin is pleasurable for a season, but everybody that's been in there long enough knows that there's got to be something more out there. And that's why they keep chasing you know, whether it's drinking, they go down further down that rabbit hole or it's drugs or it's, you know, whatever, it, whatever it is, I've seen it time and time again, where there's no satisfaction out there at all, you know, and this leads us into, you know, our last little thing we want to read. And I'll, I'll just let you read that because it, it, it's a perfect, it kind of sums up everything that we're talking about. And it's, it's in Proverbs, it's Proverbs uh, 23. Uh, 29 through 35. So it's a bit of reading, but you go ahead and read that. Thank you. Yeah, I saw this and I 
thought how amazing this was, just a text written so long ago, and just it stands the test of time. And this is exactly what I felt after all of it. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has conflicts? Who has complaints? Who has wounds for no reason? Who has red eyes? Those who linger over wine, those who go looking for mixed drink, don't gaze at wine because it's red, because it gleams in the cup and goes down smoothly. In the end, it bites like a snake and it stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things and you will say absurd things. You'll be like someone sleeping out at sea or lying down on top of a ship's mast. They struck me, but I feel no pain. They beat me, but I didn't know it. When will I wake up? I'll look for another drink. And that, it really described everything that I went through. I went through all of that. And sin was fun for a season when I was drinking and partying. It was fun. And each time I'd go out and I'd look for that same fun. And slowly, sin progresses so that you have to intensify what you're dealing with when you're when you're dealing with stuff like that with the flesh. And I... I found that I would I would intensify when I when I look back over the years it just grew and it grew and it grew and I I just really I I really wanted to share that wisdom and that truth in that proverb because it really describes what happens when you focus on that and when you when you let that moderation piece become part of your life because it grows and it doesn't stay with moderation at all. Yeah, I mean like what you're talking about and we talked about this earlier is that you know it becomes an obsession and if it was just some simple thing of you know uh like something that didn't grip you or something that wasn't like spiritual in nature you know though i mean the they're called spirits you know like right. I, I remember seeing that uh, store my buddy my old best friend kyle his uh his mom worked for southern wine and spirits and I remember that was like the first time I ever heard him be called spirits. And I remember like, the, it's kind of, it was kind of weird. Like why, you know, why, ah, it's weird, but it's like, it's, that's what they are. you like, mm-hmm. look at somebody who's, you know, the bum that, you know, just gets drunk every day that walks down the street, you know, talking to themselves. It's like, that didn't happen because, you know, what they were ingesting wasn't harmful and didn't open up spiritual doors to their lives. Right. You know, so that's a little side note, but, uh, you know, it all comes down to desire. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Bible says that, you know, you, you sin because you're tempted by your own desire. And this is true for everybody in life. Like the devil's not going to tempt you with something that you don't like. Mm-hmm. It's not going to, you know, if you're, if you're an alcoholic, he's going to test, tempt you with drinking. You know, and that's why it's so important, like we talked about earlier, that, you know, it's very important to just stay away from it altogether because I know me and I won't stop at one drink. Mm-hmm. It'll go to two to three. I'll drink the whole bottle. I'll black out. I'll end up fighting some whatever, you know, but it's so important to remember that time is short. Like first Peter four, seven says the end of all things is near. Time is so short, you know. We don't have all the time in the world. You know, young people die, old people die, people die all the time. We could die before this podcast episode is over. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, the Bible says we're not promised tomorrow, that life is fleeting here today, gone tomorrow. Talk to any old person and they'll tell you that exact thing that I felt like I was five years old yesterday. You know, that. And they, they, they look at, you know, young kids and they envy that, oh man, you know, they just, where did it go? You know, and that is life. And the devil paints, you know, the picture that, oh, you have all the time in the world that, oh, you can party it up and just, you know, what is that? Eat, drink and be merry mm-hmm. for tomorrow you die. Yeah. But they don't read the rest of that scripture for then comes judgment. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll all give an account for what we do in life. You know, it's so important to stay ready and and be sober and have a clear mind, you know, because if we don't, you know, what are, what are we doing with the time that we have left? If time is so short, you know, I knew this girl that was drunk driving and got in a car accident. She hit somebody and killed this guy, died. She killed him. She did three or four years, I remember. And I remember she got out. And I remember, you know, back, that was back when we had Facebooks and all that. And 
seen on her her Facebook or her Instagram something that she was posting pictures of her partying again, almost like she had not missed a beat. And you know, this man's family, I'm sure, were had full of hurt. They were damaged, scarred forever. That you know, there was something missing. And this girl did some time. Yeah, she did her time, but she went back to her life like almost nothing had happened. You know, mm-hmm. and you know, this act of driving while she was drunk, you know, has damaged somebody forever. And, you know, she's still living it up like she's got the rest of her life. You know, and I'm sure that guy was living, you know, his life as if he was going to live, you know, he probably had plans the next day. He probably had places he was going to go, dreams that he wanted to see fulfilled, you know, and just like that, He's not here anymore, you know, so it's so important to stay sober because, you know, in the end, we're going to give an account to what we do. And, you know, the Bible is very clear on this issue. And I know it's very controversial issue, especially in the religious world that they say it's okay to drink. It's okay to have a couple of drinks. Oh, it's okay to have one beer. And I'm here to tell you that, you know, it's really not. I mean, you, the the statistics in the world and America alone speak for themselves that where there is more, you know, alcohol, there's more crime, there's more, you know, violent this, you know, there's, you know, divorce, everything that's linked with it. So I don't know if you have anything you want to add real quick uh, before we close, but. Um, just agreeing with what you've said. It's, it's really important as a, as a Christian who tries to keep it real it's our exampleship that is really being affected too. If we want to be the Christian that sides with the moderation, um, we want to abstain from appearances of evil. We want to lift up other Christians, other new converts. We don't, we don't really know what they're going through sometimes until we get into deeper conversation. But that's one of the things that I was so thankful about was it was very clear when I when I got down here and even though I ignored it at first I was able to come back to it just that authenticity in Christianity is what we need more of we don't need more religion that lives their lives unchanged we need the authenticity so we can see lives changed and so that I can share that I'm not just a story that it's not just me that benefits from the 10 years that I wasted and Jesus Christ delivering me. It's an authenticity that can change lives. And I appreciate that you asked me on here and I appreciate the content and the mission statement of your podcast because that's that's where it's at. It's about authenticity and being real. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. And you know, I want to do one last little thing that you know, maybe you're sitting out there and you've heard everything we've said and, you know, God's speaking to you and you have that feeling in your heart that, you know what, you want to change some things and that you know that you maybe you don't know everything we've talked about or you don't really know. And you're not too sure. Maybe you're a skeptic and you're, you're you know, you're kind of wavering in uh, all of that we've talked about with God and everything. But you have that feeling that you need to do something about it. Well, I want you to just think about this for a second. You know, I'm going to lead you guys through a prayer. You know, you could, the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that you will be saved. You know, so that's just, it's as simple as turning from your sin and asking Jesus in your heart. So if you'd like to do that, you can just repeat after me and say, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. Forgive me for all my sins. I know that you died on the cross and shed your blood for my sins. I accept that sacrifice in Jesus name. Amen. You know, and I've, I've heard people say, you know, so many times, oh, that's too easy. And I'm here to tell you that, yeah, it is easy because Jesus did the hard part. Jesus died for your sins and he made it easy for you to, it's a free gift. Mercy is a free gift. And so that salvation and, and eternal life is a free gift. All you have to do is accept it. Our sin put Jesus on the cross once. You don't have to do that over and over again every time you need to ask Jesus in your heart. But the Bible says that 
turn from your sin. That means to stop doing what you're doing, you know, to turn around. You were going one way, turn around, go the other way. It's a changing of the mind. That word repent means to change your mind about things. Like, you know what? Yeah, I used to be this, but I changed my mind. I'm not that anymore. Go another way. It's like how, you know, you were an alcoholic. You were dealing with these things. That was you. Drank every night, you know, and then you said, you know what? I don't like what this is doing to me. I don't like who I've become. I'm going to stop. I'm going to change my mind. You know, people out there all the time, oh, I changed my mind, you know, and that's always usually like got a negative thing, especially when it comes to affecting you, you know, oh, like you were supposed to do this for me. Oh, I changed my mind. Well, you know what? You can stick it to the devil and you can say, you know what, devil? I changed my mind. Like, yes, I was once this, but now I'm not. Once I was blind, now I see. And I just want to close this in prayer and just, you know, pray for people out there that, you know, this can reach people and touch people because there are lives out there that are going down the drain that are being wasted and ruined and marriages that are being destroyed and kids that are being raised in broken homes because of alcohol. So I just want to close in a prayer and leave this with you guys that Jesus, we pray that if anybody listens to this, that we could have serious impact on, on their lives, that you can go before us, prepare hearts, prepare a place that your word be received and that we know that your word never comes back void. And we thank you for this. And we just pray for a platform that we can just glorify your name and your name only. And we thank you so much for the opportunity, the privilege it is to just read your word and to share our faith with other people. We pray that uh, hearts are changed and we can see people transformed and just lives saved. And we thank you so much uh, in advance for all that you're doing and everything that you are going to do in the future, in our lives, in our churches. And we just thank you so much. Amen. Amen. It's been real. It's been good. It's been real good. We'll see you guys next time.